Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Amy Piles. Amy is the president of Saxum, an integrated digital agency obsessed for good. Amy's company excels in solving complex problems for brands and organization using technology, insights, and creativity. She oversees the execution of Saxum's business strategy, operational strategy, and the overall quality of services and champions the alignment of people, business, and clients. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I really love that your company is obsessed for good. (laughs) And so I'm excited about that. And I'm curious, Amy, you know, when you were little, did you imagine that you were going to grow up to be a president of a company? You know, I did not. I thought I was going to be on Broadway and just, you know, changing the world by acting. So that was always my vision when I was very little. Unfortunately, did not have the talent to make that one come to fruition, but definitely found a place in marketing and in business. Okay. Well, so tell us about Obsessed for Good. Like, where is the root of that? Where is that coming from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Saxon was really founded on helping clients. And the more that we got into it, that it really came naturally out of our DNA. We work with brands and causes that are making a positive impact on the world, There's a lot of really talented marketers, creatives, strategists that want to bring those skills and talents to things that are making a bigger impact than just selling a product. And so we've been able to curate talent that is obsessed with that and clients that are obsessed with that. And really, when you align those goals from a client as well as talent passion, that's really where Obsessed for Good came out of Mm -hmm. is how do we make sure with our craft, we're doing something that is moving the world forward. Mm, Beautiful. Well, so help us go from wanting to be an actress to being the president, because I'm sure that wasn't a hop, skip and a jump journey. I would love to hear a little bit about your rise to the top. Yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of acting and singing and all of those different things in my childhood. And what that really gave me was resiliency, because you get a lot of no's. As you go through that, it trained me to be comfortable. It trained me to have just some really unique skills as I went off into college. And so I had that pivotal moment of, am I going to try to go, you know, theater, maybe theater business or something in there, but really realized quickly that that wasn't the life for me and, and settled into business just in my college studies and really loved it right away. And I got the great honor as I left my undergrad, I got a fellowship with an organization called the Soderquist Center for Leadership and Ethics, which was a two-year program that put me through my master's 
degree, but I got to spend my days working with Fortune 100 executives over in Northwest Arkansas. So it's a lot of the retail executives, a lot of CPG executives, and just to get to sit in the room when you are fresh out of college and hear their leadership struggles, to hear what they're working on as executive teams or what they're struggling with, with their personal values and how that aligns in their career was just a really pivotal and almost a trajectory point right away in my career. So as I left that that fellowship, I had these great leadership insights, business insights that I was able to just absorb by being around these individuals, which is really phenomenal. And yeah, so it's great. So then I jumped into the agency world right away and it got to wear a lot of different hats right away, which is probably the number one advice I give to any new college grad or somebody that's you know starting out is wear a lot of different hats in a business from client service to I got shipped off for a whole year and sat on site at Walmart and ran their digital marketing campaigns at the age of 22. So a lot of just fast experience that allowed me to flex different muscles and or client service or strategy. I wore kind of a technology innovations hat. I, then I landed in operations within that agency and really got to be around innovative people, high environment. We went from 25 employees to, I think, 200 in the course of like eight years. And so it was a really fast ride with them. And so that was where I learned a lot just about business and about marketing and digital skills. And then joined Saxum about seven years ago to lead our digital practice and bring some of that into this integrated agency. And I've been able to wear a few different hats here as well. I was recently our chief operating officer and then just stepped into the president role in the past year, just taking on some new new responsibilities, but getting that broad spectrum of everything across the agency. Yeah, beautiful. Well, you know, a couple of things from from that. Uh, little segment that I want to just highlight for our listeners. The first is that you actually had the experience when you were very new, right? Fresh, young (laughs) of being immersed in a leadership space that, that for you was revelatory. I'm sure. I mean, I think a lot of people have visions of heads of companies having their act together completely. And you actually got to see that that's not exactly the case all the time and that there are struggles at every level of doing business. Absolutely. Yeah. And so so for you, you had that revelation really Mm -hmm. early and Mm -hmm. and probably as a result of that, you didn't pedestal people, right? Yeah. But I also love this idea of wearing a lot of hats and especially, you know, there's a lot of, especially in marketing, there's a lot of encouragement to like, just stay focused on one thing, just pick a niche, you know, for our entrepreneurial listeners out there, you know, that's something that's, that's frequently a frequent refrain. And what I'm hearing from you is the, the rise to the presidency was nourished as a result of having lots of expertise in a lot of different areas. So I'd love to have you yeah. speak a little bit more about that. Absolutely. I I think it's been one of the most critical things in my leadership journey because it gives you such a different view. I think we can get really stuck in just one seat in our careers of I'm going to be 
you know, in my world, it'd be maybe I'm the client service person, or I'm a project manager, or I'm a creative here, and that's my lane. But I think the more you get exposed to just different seats in the agency, one, you develop empathy so that you can suddenly interact with those people differently. You can motivate differently. You can really say, I understand what your point of view is because I've sat in that seat. And then I think as a manager and as a leader, it allows you to see all of those different puzzle pieces with a realistic lens. You know what it takes to do it, but you also understand the full business picture of how each thing needs to work together to get business results and to get client results. And just looking at that holistically, I think it's just really important for any leader to fully understand that. Beautiful. So I'm now moved to talk a little bit, Amy, about, you know, the whole digital marketing world mm -hmm. is pretty young, right? Yeah. <laughs> the whole digital marketing world is only, what, 25, 30 years old, yeah. maybe 40 at the most. And so, you know, I'm curious if you experienced in your rise any kind of glass ceilings or bumping up against you know, maybe misogyny or anything like that, because it seems to me that digital marketing, because it's so new, has actually been an environment within which women were more given more of an equal playing ground, but I could be perceiving that incorrectly. So I'd love to hear yeah. anything about that that you have to offer. Yeah, I think I have been very blessed in all the places that I've worked. That's not been something that I have run up against. Having said that, when I first started in digital marketing world, in the office that I sat in, I was the only female. So it wasn't that I ever felt limited. I tend to gravitate more towards relationships in a male-dominated area anyways, naturally, and just who I am. But it wasn't something that ever limited me. But it was definitely not, I wasn't looking around and seeing a whole lot of females next to me when I first started. Now I think that has completely changed over the course of my career, which has been about 15, 16 years within there. Because when I started, I mean, Facebook had just opened up for marketers. The iPhone hadn't launched yet. So a lot has innovated quickly since then. And the need to be able to bring content that relates, the need to be able to have all different perspectives within that digital ecosystem has been really clear, I think from the, the get-go, because we're starting to interact with people in a one-to-one -one relationship as marketers and communicators. And so you can't ignore a perspective and not have that on the team, not have it there and be able to deliver on that. So mm -hmm. it's definitely been an area that I think has had the most diversity and inclusion from the get-go. Mm, yeah, that was that was my feeling. Yeah. All right. Well, so one of the things that you mentioned that Saxum does is you actually have a, a a segment of the company that works to build community engagement on the ground in like real life in person. Yeah. So I'd love to have a little bit of a chat about that before we go to the break, if you want to share just a little bit about, was that something that you brought to the table? Was that something that was already there? If you want yeah. to talk just a little bit about that before we go to the break, that would be great. Absolutely. So we call it social permitting. And it's something that's been DNA long before I joined Saxum. It's very core to some of our offerings. And we call it social permitting because when you think about doing a large project within a city or a community, there's often a lot of permits that you have to get. 
but we want to get the community's permit to be there. We want to get the social buy-in as well as any of those regulatory permits that you may have. So whether you are building an infrastructure project or even doing a community project like doing a new park in a city. We've worked with a lot of municipalities and private organizations that are building parks for the community. You want to be doing that with the community. You want to understand the landscape there, all the different voices of influence, all of the different makeups of the unique people that are in that community. And so we help companies understand that, connect in a very real, authentic way, facilitate conversations. A lot of times, if something's coming into my city or my community, there's immediately a wall up and there's some confusion. And we facilitate those conversations that are opportunities to connect with the community, to adjust your plans, to allow them to influence and build together, or to bring them along on why certain decisions are being made, and ultimately help companies and municipalities get to completion of that project to avoid opposition and really engage the right people at the right time along the project. Mm, Beautiful. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. But right now we are going to take a break. So Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I do want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. We are now downloading in 103 countries, and we're going to shout out this week. Well, let's shout out to our listeners in Oklahoma and Arkansas where Amy is from in that general vicinity of the country. But let us also shout out to our listeners in Albania and Cyprus. And we will be right back with Amy Piles. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Amy Piles. You can find out more about Saxum, both its B2B marketing services, digital marketing services, as well as this more interesting thing to me, community engagement aspect that they do at saxum.com, saxum, S-A-X-U-M.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So Amy, we I talked about before the break about this aspect of your company that does community engagement on the ground for big local 
like mm. tangible projects, tangible projects. So help me understand who I would need to be in order to hire your company. Would I need to be a, you know, a director of a foundation? Would I need to be the CEO of you know, some kind of a company? Would I need to be a municipal economic director or all of the above? Who would I need yeah. to be to want your services? Yeah, we really work with a wide variety of industries and people, but it, ultimately it's anybody that's trying to get a project accomplished or an idea bought into within a specific community. That's who we work with. So it could be anything from a CEO of a company, maybe it's an infrastructure company, an energy company that's doing any projects in there. It could be a nonprofit that is investing in a community, or it could be a municipality director. We work with anybody within that that gamut that's trying to just make change in a community with physical projects or with just getting buy-in to ideology as well. Okay, great. So I have a kind of quirky question that just came in for you. And that is in this kind of an arrangement where you are hired by somebody who's putting a project in, you have this value of being obsessed for good. So have you ever had the experience where your company has been approached to help a company who wants to put a project up where you can say, oh, we don't align with that? And how do you handle that kind of thing if that comes up? Yeah, I mean, we absolutely do. We are selective in the clients and the projects that we want to work on. One, we're looking at companies that want to do it the right way. They want to engage in the community, not just to check a box, but really to be a good partner with that community and build trust and relationship there. So that's one of the things that that we vet as we go through that. And we make sure the project is something that we believe is going to have a positive impact on that community. That doesn't mean everybody's going to agree with that, but we do see that positive trajectory for the world, for the community, and within that piece. So if it's not a fit, I mean, we're very transparent about our values and about being obsessed for good. And so we're we're open on that with any initial conversation with clients and any pitch. So if it's not a fit, you know, we'll definitely decline that work and refer them to somebody else. All right. Well, ladies, I want you to hear what Amy is saying. She is selective. <laughs> and I think that, you know, regardless of the size of your company, whether you're a small, you know, solopreneur or whether you're running a major organization, selectivity is one of those pieces of learning as an executive of your company that I think is really super important. So Amy, I'd love to have you speak a little bit about how you learn to be able to say no and how you learned to kind of, whether it was an internal knowing or whether there are signals that you see, how did you learn or what can you offer to our listeners that might help them to become even more have more capacity to be selective. Yeah. I think every no comes with a risk and that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid to say no to something because especially, you know, in a business is that revenue that I need is that filling my pipeline within here and if I say no to that will something else come. And so that risk is what we're all uncomfortable with. You know, how do we say no? 
But what I've learned through more and more no's personally and in the business is the more you say no to, the more you can say yes to the right things. And the more you say yes to the right things, that attracts the right thing. And then you can recognize it faster. Your team around you recognizes it faster. And that no signals even more than those yeses do. So I think as a leader, setting that example is really important so that the team knows the guardrails. And then I think even just personally in your boundaries, it helps you be able to identify that even more. So I just think it just takes practice. It takes being comfortable with the risk and the discomfort and knowing that it may not always be that perfect. Yes, it may not, it's not always black and white. Like nothing is ever black and white. And so being comfortable navigating that, that in between of like, is this really a yes or is this a no? I think that just takes some flexing of that muscle. And I always encourage people to lean into more no's than yeses whenever you can, because then that makes your yes so much more impactful and you have more capacity to say yes to the right things. Beautiful. Well, so, you know, we've been talking about your company. I want to spend just a few minutes talking about you personally and, you know, as a female who is in the C-suite, as a female who is, you know, in the role of the president, I'm sure that you also have a personal life. So, I'd love to hear where your no is between your business and your personal life and how you maintain that no muscle as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I do, I have two kids. I have a a 12 year old and a nine year old. And when I had my first kid, I was working in marketing and I had a large retailer client and it was Christmas night that I went into labor. So my son was born the day after Christmas and you can imagine that's a big retail time. And I was in labor with my first child and I was texting about an ad campaign as I was in labor. So that was a moment for me when I thought, Ooh, these are not good boundaries. I need to get this under control because my life has just changed. And I'm now a mom. I have more responsibilities and they're more important responsibilities to me. So I say that just to say like, that was a clear wake up call to me of people will treat my time, how I let them treat my time. So I came back from my leave and had some kind of clear boundaries. I actually changed my role and luckily had an employer that was willing to work with me at that time so that I could be less client facing and have more flexibility within that. And so I learned that asking for what I need was really important and just advocating for myself and setting those boundaries of my my time on, my time off, and my time in between. It's never as clear as it once was. It's very blurred, but I'm able to, you know, put in the middle of the day, you know, I've got to go to my child's event at school or something for myself. Like we have a very flexible culture here at Saxon. That's been really important to me to build in and maintain because we are all people first. And we have things that our personal life gets in the way of work life, work life gets in the way of personal life, and it's an ebb and flow. And I really believe that we have to advocate for what we need and take control of our own time because that's the only thing that we have is how we spend our time and our energy. And so that's my job to do that. It's not anybody else's job. That's mine. And that's the boundaries that that I set. Mm, beautiful. So ladies, I want you to hear, because this was a really good, good one, real pearl of wisdom here. People will treat my time how I let them. 
people will treat my time how I let them. So Amy, was there ever a time where, you know, you said no and somebody pushed back and how do you navigate, you know, holding the no, right? We've talked a little bit about getting the boundaries in place Mm -hmm. and, and being personally responsible for taking care of yourself. But what do you do when somebody tries to push the boundaries? My no always comes with an alternative. So it's never a no, go figure it out yourself. It's a no, here's when I could do something, here's what I can do, or here's another solution that isn't encroaching on this. Because at the end of the day, everybody's trying to solve a problem or get something completed. And just because I have a boundary on my time doesn't mean I can't still be helpful or provide a different solution. So I think it's a it's a no, but here's the other thing you could do. And always offering that other avenue for people to still accomplish that goal. I think it can be really easy to be like, well, no, go figure it out yourself and walk away. But that's immediately when you you lose influence. That's immediately when it becomes something bigger than a boundary. It becomes a lack of buy-in or it becomes seen as something different. So I think always being still solution and service oriented with your colleagues, with even with my family, sometimes I have to tell them no for things, but mm. it comes with a, but here's when we can do that. Here's what we can do instead. Mm. Beautiful. Well, we have a couple minutes left, Amy. So if there was one thing that you wanted to maybe celebrate, either a client success story or a personal success that you've accomplished, I'd love to have you take the last couple of minutes to just share with our listeners, you know, like the big win for you, like what's been a big win for you, whether it's personal or in business? Yeah. You know, mine's definitely going to be personal right now. Business has tons of wins, but when I think about like my deep core, what I'm most proud of, and it all comes back to my son. My son is on the autism spectrum. So we went through that that journey of kind of getting diagnosed and understanding what that is, but he is just phenomenal. This boy is amazing. He astounds me every day. But when I think about, you know, a success, he has just won, he just won an art contest. I did not even know he could draw. And he drew this, this beautiful picture in a a tree contest. And so that's been just one of those pride moments for me of seeing him succeed, of feeling proud of how we've supported him and how he's doing things that we never even knew he had the skill for, or he had a passion for, and he's winning awards for it. So my, my greatest joys and accomplishments comes down to just how we have supported our kids and who they're turning into and how we can help pave the way for them. Mm, Beautiful. I love it, Amy. If I had my bell with me, I'd ring it for you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, such an interesting world that we live in where, you know, our parenting is, is so important. And at the same time, you know, we need to make our our contribution in the world as well. Mm -hmm. And so beautiful. I love it. All right, Amy. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And if you are a, an energy company, an infrastructure company, a leader in a foundation that wants to put some amazing park into some municipality somewhere, and you need to have the buy-in from the public and get public support for your project, or you are an economic development director, definitely check out Saxum and 
Saxum also does B2B marketing, digital marketing as well. So I like to give people a singular choice. And I'm really excited that you were here with me today, Amy. I thank you so much for your time and for showing up and shining here on the show. Listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you think of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes. Or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.